everybody. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, this week on the Transatlantic Rebels podcast, we are going to cover one of our favourite singers, or she's certainly one of my favourite singers anyway, of this millennium. Her name is Nelly Furtado, and uh, she's a Canadian songstress. We've covered a couple of those recently. And uh, yeah, she's only really released four albums proper in her entire career, which is now about 16, 17 years old. She's got a new one, actually. We timed it rather well. We didn't quite realise that uh, she's got a new one coming out this month. So that'll be incredibly interesting to um, to see what happens on that one because it's her first album for almost five years. And I can't wait to talk about her. In fact, so much that we're going to split it into two. So, Rashad, what are your first memories of Nelly Furtado? This, it goes back to when MTV was still, like, like in where we had TRL and we had, I think like, this was like in the midst of like the Britney Spears, uh, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, Christina Aguilera era. So, um, I was listening to rap and rock at the time. So like, I didn't hate like, uh, Britney Spears and NSYNC them, but I wasn't really looking out for them. So I guess when that Like a Bird song came out, I guess it's the first time I ever seen Nelly Potato, and I kind of just missed her as like one of the bubblegum pop singers or whatever. So I just like, okay, blah, blah, blah. And I guess I was reading Entertainment Weekly, and I remember reading it, and they gave her, like, an A. Like, they graded, like, A, B, C, D, E, F, whatever, like that. And uh, they gave her an A+. Plus and I was like, what the hell? Like, how? Whatever. And I I listened to, the like, like a bird song. I was like, okay, it's all right. And then I was, usually what I used to do back in the day with CDs is, like, if um I would just take a risk and go, okay, let me just go out there and give it a shot. So I went to the store, and I picked it up. And then I think within like two or three listens, I loved the album. So that was my like first experience with Nelly Furtado. Yeah, I think mine was something similar, to be honest. Um, I can't remember exactly what moment I picked up the album. Um, but so, yeah, it was I'm Like a Bird was strong on the radio. I remember having that in my head and I got horribly lost in London for three hours one time. So I had like a bad memory attributed to that song. But I loved the song itself. As soon as I heard the album literally the first four songs I was like this is so me it's just absolutely me and the very interesting thing I remember was that in interviews she was saying that actually I'm like a bird was her probably she said it was the worst song on the album and I was like okay is this is this the sort of thing that a singer is just saying to prove a point and try and stoke interest or something but as soon as I listened to the album I was like yep she's right (laughs) she's it's incredibly simplistic it's it's super catchy and it's you know um I don't know it's kind of like open and vague enough to attribute it to anything like it's my son's favorite song of hers now after we've been listening for a few weeks but it's definitely I'd say the, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say weakest, but it's definitely the, the most simplistic song on the album for sure. Um, and I even watched the video a couple of weeks ago, and it was quite funny looking back on that video. You're so right; it's that whole MTV era video. It was quite quite a budget thing, but then there were a couple of like random strings attached to her, and she's going into these funny contortions and stuff. But it was it's just amazing to look at how she. This is the other thing how young she was my god so me and her are pretty much the same age i think she's probably about i think she's like a year older than me or something and a year younger than you or something like that so so she was what maybe 19 20 something around that maybe probably around 20 when it dropped when woe nelly dropped which is pretty amazing i have to say i mean that that you're talking like that's when illmatic was dropped effectively i'm not saying woe nelly is the equivalent of illmatic but uh, (laughs) but but it, it was certainly an impactful debut for sure um, and for me, I was kind of really deeply entrenched in hip hop and R and B around that time, and so it's kind of strange thinking back, like how I got to know this album so well in the first place. Um, but 
sometimes I guess it's just destiny. The other thing is she's just very much my type as well. Just everything about her, um, you know, her sort of looks, personality, that mix of everything. She's just very much my type. So I think I was just always drawn to her. You know, you, you see her as like the uh, second generation Courtney Cox. The Courtney Cox thing is, do you know what? My wife has said it before. She's, she's, she walked in on one of the early videos. She was like, oh my God, she looked like Courtney Cox at last. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's always been my type as well. Definitely. Monica was my, my favorite. So, so, you weren't, so you weren't a Rachel girl? You weren't a Rachel no, guy? No, it was Monica all the way for me. <laughs> Rachel I found very frustrating. Uh, Phoebe was just, you know, just fun. But like, Monica was my type. And I ended up marrying okay. a Monica. My wife is an absolute Monica. Okay. <laughs> Got you. That's funny. So, shall we... Um, so, well, yeah. So, basically, we're going to cover Woe Nelly and Folklore in this first part yeah. of the Nelly Furtado extravaganza. Um, uh-huh. So, what are your... Let's do our pop quiz. What are your favourite three tracks from Woe Nelly? Uh, let's see. That's a tough one. Uh... All right, here we go. Okay, Shield on the Radio is one. Uh, damn it, this is hard. Yeah. Uh, scared of you. And legend, but it, it could change any minute, like any second, pretty much. It's not easy. That's not easy for me to kind of say right there. Those are my favorites for right now. I could change it, like. If you if you if you were saying which I could probably say which one I'd probably be like not meh but if you told me to like do like a like a like probably my bottom one maybe it would be like my love goes deeper part one because where the hell's part two <laughs> 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 yeah so um, I guess if you if like I said it's gonna change I guess like I said on the radio legend and scared of you probably the three. You know, I'm sorry. Not scared of you. I will make you cry. Those are my my three favorites, right there. Oh, okay. Yeah, scared of you. I was quite surprised you picked that one. Um, for me, it's Hey Man, Shit on the Radio, and Legend. I, I think it's just that. I mean, to be honest, that opening, well, the, the first six songs are pretty much bulletproof. But I mean, I'm like a bird was never my kind of favorite album track for sure. Woo 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 woo. No. <laughs> No, it's, it was a brilliant radio track. And I did love it absolutely, yeah. and it's, uh, it's, but, it's compared, but, but compared to the rest of the stuff, yeah. And and when I was when I was pl- making my son listen to this, you know, he literally just turned three, so he's very young. Then the one he instantly got was um, well, there was two. He got Hey Man and I'm Like a Bird, and Hey Man is because they were talking about the clouds and stuff like that. You know, um, there's a dark cloud and stuff, and he he just started repeating it. And then I'm like a bird; he just instantly connected to it. But you know, if you, if you extrapolate that to a more obvious level, then that's it's just a very sing songy, simple, catchy. It's catchy. You know, it's it's catchy. just catchy as hell. So I will say there's not a, there, the whole album is goddamn catchy. I will say that it's. It's a pretty amazingly arranged album because there's so much catchy stuff on it, yet there's a lot of deeper layers, musically anyway. Um, and even on some of the songs conceptually, so. So let me ask you a question. Here's a, here's a, here's a okay. question for you. So would you call this world music? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I, however, if ask me on the next album and then I'll have a different answer. Okay, got you. All right, so here we go. So, so explain to me why some of these... And, it's, and if you could explain the misconception of world music, about some of these critics when it came out, they were calling it kind of like world music light. Like they were considered, why? Because he was Portuguese? Is that why they were assuming that? Because it was just like from a different like avenue than what everything else was at out at the time? So they just like pretty much labeled it world music because it didn't sound like it was purely American, I guess? I think there's so many reasons. If you just think back to when she broke. First of all, when I was watching the I'm Like a, Ver- I'm like a Bird video, She's really dark skinned in that video compared to like, olive olive skin, yeah. yeah, like super olive skinned. Um, compared to if you look at her now or in, or in subsequent videos, completely. I mean, she must have just gone on holiday or something, I reckon. And um, obviously, her the Portuguese heritage is there. She's also Canadian and not American. Um, and she incorporated so many different genres. Um, I think the hip hop elements kind of augured well for her within the U.S. 
Uh, I think that's one of the reasons the album did so well. And then kind of Timberland jumped on it later. And, jumped and, on her with the, with the Get Your Free Going remix. The, well, I, I, oh, yeah, it's good you mentioned that. So there's a good, <laughs> no, there was, there was that, which, sh- oh, that blew my mind. <laughs> and there was, what's the name? Is it Trina or Miss something? Miss J, Miss J, Miss J. Miss yeah, J that's it, Miss J. What about my about See, I loved that. I loved it. Absolutely loved that. That was brilliant. And as soon as those kind of two dots connected i was like there's going to be some sort of tie down the way there has to be and it ended up coming in 2006 um but yeah i mean i just think it's an intoxicating groove of various genres and and i'm not going to say this only once but track and field on this album the way they produced it um so there's gerald eaton and brian west um uh, i mean i haven't heard of them much outside of the work they've done with nelly Furtado. But the production on this album is stellar, absolutely stellar. And and they just cover so many bases as well, because, you know, a song like Legend, you've got that kind of piano loop at the beginning, and then the kind of grooves you've got, it's and the way she starts scatting and things like that. And I, I don't know, it's just... And then, and then you segue that into something like I'm Like a Bird, you know, and... Um, I'm not sure how they did it. And and when you listen with a good pair of headphones, the bass is incredible on every single track. The drums are so crisp. And you're kind of like, why aren't these guys just like two of the biggest producers of, of, the, of the whole decade, to be honest? Um, maybe they just saved their best work for her. Maybe they just worked fantastically well together. So who knows? Um, I've never read any interviews about them. I kind of searched, really, but um, but nothing. So, so they so he's pretty much like like went like went into like the background, I guess, whatever like that, or wherever they came from. <laughs> yeah, wherever they came from. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's sad, but I mean I, I mean I don't know. The music industry is like here today, gone tomorrow. You're only good as your last hit, kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, and you're and you're. Oh, never mind. We'll go to the, we'll get to the next one. But go ahead. Um, we're gonna say. No, I was, I was just gonna say sometimes sometimes you get these producers who who have like a good three or four years and and then. I mean, even if you look at someone bigger, someone like Scott Storch, he had an amazing kind of... Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah like four or five-year period until cocaine oh. completely ruined everything. <laughs> it really did. Like, he's not come back from that at all. He's tried, but, yeah. you know. Um, not that we're saying that these guys are cokeheads or anything like that, nothing like that. But, oh, no. Um, but it's just, it's just strange how from 2000, and, well, 2000 to 2003, they did this incredible work with Nelly Furtado, it seemed like the this the symbiotic relationship with them has yielded such i art for me legendary work um and and then there's nothing else from them pretty much they've done some work with Kanan and stuff like that but otherwise i don't know nothing so let me ask you a question how were they received in britain who the producers i mean i mean, no, no, not the producers Nelly Furtado. I don't, I don't she was huge absolutely massive she was huge yeah okay massive like from from the word go from when I am like a bird came out from the word go yeah okay um I mean the only thing I'd say is that uh hey man and shit on the radio were officially singles but they never did anything here um it, it was I'm like a bird and turn off the light and then it was the other kind of stuff like you said the get your freak on remix and um and the ba 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 ching 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 and then um I can't I can't remember if she had any other features I don't think she had too much but th- I think the album just sold really healthily as well. Um, and I'm like a bird was such a big song. It was just huge. Do you do you think they placed her in a category with the with, with the Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera's, or did she have her own lane? No, she was very much a counterpoint to that. Okay, so you don't so you don't think people lumped her in with the with, with the with the with the teeny boppers with the NSYNCs and LF like that whole entire MTV squad? She uh, what? Well, I mean, she got lumped in with the MTV squad because she was part of it. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, she was. I mean, she was pretty much around the same kind of age as, as a lot of those, a lot of those guys. Oh yeah. Really. Um, and I mean, interestingly enough, obviously down the road, she ended up doing a lot of work with Justin Timberlake, uh, through, through Timberland. But I don't know. I mean, it, if you just try and think back to that era, what she did is sometimes when you're an outsider, um, kind of like what Drake's done actually with hip hop, you can pinpoint all these things and and circumvent them without doing the corniest stuff that everyone else is doing. So what what Drake did is very interesting because he took that emotional aspect and amped it up a million, and then ended up singing more than he was rapping. Now, other rappers have done those things, but the way he did it is he kind of veered away from the really. <clears throat> 
he veered away from from the really kind of corny american tropes and and kind of engineered his own sound and stuff he, he like he like he like improved on ll's uh ll's uh cat, like category of like i'm gonna love him leave him guy but he he didn't do it with that machismo i guess in a sense like he did it more with i mean he still has it he did it more later on but at least in the beginning he was like that the nice guy rapper but he was a nice like what he's rapping about wasn't like like corny but he came across as like i don't even say wholesome but he came across as more like he wasn't your typical rapper like I'm, I'm gonna punch you in your face fifty thousand times. At least a hardcore rapper. <laughs> yeah, you know I, mean? I mean, he he was definitely not a gangster rapper for sure. Yeah. Um. I mean, neither was Kanye West, but I, I think I don't know. Drake Drake was more of a natural artist and writer, ironically, than Kanye was in in okay. pretty much every respect. In, hind- in, hind- in hindsight, you look at that. In hindsight, you look at it now and think, well, what did drake right <laughs> because uh, well no i mean you look at it and you think well you can you can hear certain eras of his where it's just changed massively and now you look back and think okay someone else was clearly writing that but then you think okay drake probably did write this bit and stuff so it, it's it's a bit confusing but then i mean taking it back to nelly Furtado, um she mixes in so many different genres and at that age you know you have to say like how did she do it you know um because I've ne- I've never heard like anything of her before that point before Woe Nelly. Um, I've never heard demos or anything like that or anything that got pre-released. There was no kind of buzz. It was just bang. She came. She came. She just came out. She just came out. I mean, this is how it used to be. The record company would actually groom an artist properly, put together invest, a great album. In artists. Yeah, build them up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you can tell with this album that I think I reckon they gave her quite a lot of time with this album in the production. Because, and then she gave him an end product. Look, here's your gigantic hit single, I'm Like a Bird. Here's another big one straight afterwards, Turn Off the Light. That's pretty much it. Um, but the rest of the, but the, the, rest of the album is, is absolutely brilliant. Um, I've managed to chuck in a whole load of stuff here as well that will put it around the world. This isn't just about America or Canada. Like, I mean, what do you think? I remember you saying that in a way she kind of paved the way for MIA to a certain extent. Like not so much like the not so much like the like like the laid back tone, but more like that you can throw all these different influences in and have a cohesive al- album. Kind of sense, yeah. Or girl, yeah. Because didn't because didn't, wasn't there something where she was actually listening to Nelly Furtado before she came out in there? Who MIA? Yeah, th- I thought I read something, but maybe I'm maybe I'm, I'm delusional. Yeah, I, I think so. I'm pretty sure I remember the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I certainly know that Nelly Furtado is a fan of MIA. Okay. Yeah, and and like when we get to her fourth album, there's a song on there okay. which, like, my wife was listening. Oh, to. I, like, I already know what you. Already, yeah, she was like, "Is that MIA?" I, I was like, "No, that's Nelly." Yeah. <laughs> um, gotcha. But yeah. But for me, yeah, for me, I remember giving this, this, this album to my brother. My brother was listening to, like Low Limit and stuff like that. I mean, he also listened to Insync, so his taste was kind of like out there too. So I gave him this CD. I remember him playing the hell out of the CD. Like he loved this CD. Like I gave it to him, he was like just playing it nonstop. I I remember if people if people minds were open enough, then people who I gave this album to, they really got into it. Like I think if you gave somebody a CD right now and you and if they're the right frame of mind, they would enjoy it. I st- I still believe that at this point with this album right there. Uh, well, especially the first. I I think to be honest, the first six the, songs of first just, six songs uh, up to turn off the light. Yeah, up to turn off the light is flawless in terms of if you're talking about meshing pop with good album cuts i think it's flawless you know even the just the first two songs are so damn good you know as soon as you press play on it the the kind of glorious strings of hey man and the the thing that i love is that there you frequently get these breakdowns at the end of songs which you don't get as much nowadays and oh yeah and and like hey man breaks down incredibly so does shit on the radio Oh my god, the one on shit on the radio is just like hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me myself. And it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. oh man. Yeah. Um Have you ever let me ask you a question, have you ever gone to a concert verse? Yes. So uh, Tell me about that. Well maybe I'll tell you on the next podcast because it was the loose era. Okay. So uh, remind me and uh, I'll I'll tell you all about that. We literally, okay. we literally well this is j- and the funny thing is this this is just when my wife and I just started going out. Um, properly and we were like 10 feet from Nelly Furtado um, and this, this is exactly 10 years ago now so um, yeah it was, that's cool yeah it was wicked but I'll talk more about that when, when Loose comes around because it was the Loose World okay. Tour okay 
Yeah. I'm talking about my wife a bit too much in this podcast. I think I'm going to have to she'll get a big head. So. <laughs> Got you. All right. So, so as as this album went out, what were your what were your uh, your like what was what was the what was the um, kind of like the the temperature about her once that album came out and it just kind of like went away for a little bit? What was it like at that point? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, this this just to put it in context, this album went to number two in the charts in the UK. The album went to number two in the charts. So, I mean, you had, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure like I'm like a bird went to number one or something like that. Was certainly one of the top positions. Um, but for the album to go that high, um, no, actually, sorry, it was only about number five. I'm like a bird, but the album went to number two, and that that just proves how good it was, really, because um, it, it's quite rare for someone in that position to do so. Um, and then after the, after the kind of everything died down, because really it was it was only two big singles. The other two didn't hit at all, really. Um, so there was quite a big gap between that and folklore. Um, you t- you're talking maybe what about th- you're talking at least three years. Yeah, you're talking three years. It's quite quite a big gap to be honest. Um, and in that time. I mean, are we go? Are we going into folklore now, or kind of in the? In- yeah, we can go. We, we can go until you start it off. Yeah, because I mean, I, I guess like Woe Nelly is just. To be honest, I think it's one of the best debuts I've ever heard from any artist. I think it's up there. Oh yeah, you know, I agree with it. Yeah, like you think I, you think you think, it, you think it's as as good as um, Jagged Little Pill. For me personally, it's a better album than Jagged Little Pill. I know Jagged Little yeah. Pill sold eight trillion million hundred billion. <laughs> We've already done that podcast, so if you haven't listened, it was just like a couple of months ago. Um, you talk about as cre- on a creative level, you say on a creative level. I think this supersedes Jagged Little Pill, and 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 it's funny because when we did the Alanis Morissette podcast, I'd never really connected the dots between that coming out in 1995 and Nelly, Nelly Furtado coming out five years later. I just never connected the dots and not simply just because of the Canadian thing, you know, I'm not being completely like that, but it's just, I, I'd never really sort of joined the most obvious dots. And then I look back at the albums and definitely see, um, definitely see a couple of kind of avenues that were clearly traveled down by both artists. But I think, I think Woe Nelly is a much more well-rounded album for sure. Um, so let me ask you, let me ask you an even, even bigger question. Is it a better debut than Arbular? <sighs> That's a hard one. <laughs> I, 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 I would actually, <laughs> why, why do you ask me that? <laughs> why do you ask me that? Um, I think I'm going to say yes. Yes. I think so. I'm not sure. So you say that's like choosing between so children say, or something. But I, so I why would you? Like, so, so, so why would you get? So why would you say yes? Why would you say yes? I'm curious about that. I think I think um, Mia's debut is incredibly brutal and blunt and a tour de force in simplicity, whereas I think Wonelli is a much more well-rounded kind of world epic. And, and I'm not saying world music. I'm saying it, it just plays around the world. Like you could give it to anyone around the world, and I, I'm pretty sure they would connect with something with it. Okay, I see what you're saying because more people would probably be more listening to this than MIA because of like it would be it'd probably be like what the hell with the voice and the the subject matter and all that other stuff that cling clangy kind of thing. Whereas Nelly is kind of like more inviting. You were saying even though she's her music is just as sophisticated. Yeah. But also, you've got to. I'm going to keep coming back to this. You've got to remember the age difference. I mean, Nelly Furtado was what, like 20 when that album dropped? I mean, MIA was how old was she? 29, 30, or something like that. She'd already lived like five different lives in different, you know, she was like a visual artist, this, that, blah, 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 blah. So many different things. So, whereas I think Nelly Furtado was just picked up by a record company and that's all she was doing, really. Um, yeah, I think she managed to harness her slightly interesting and different background to your typical American artist. Like, you know, if you take someone like Alicia Keys, she was picked up when she was like 15 or something, right? And her debut album, my God, that album's so dull. It's such a dull album. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on that album. No, but I know people, I know, I know people who would kill me for saying that, yeah. <laughs> her, her first album's incredibly dull. I loved like three, maybe three songs from it. Singles, the singles, yeah. Yeah, singles and maybe a couple album tracks, but... But that, that's it. The, the rest of the, ho- the album as a whole is sinfully dull. Ooh-wee. I have to agree with you on that one. 
I bought the album. That's the only album I bought. At least keys, and that was the last album I bought. I bought it and I gave it back. Uh, he said he gave it. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. You could do that back in the day. <laughs> I was like, no, man, no. I just, I just took it back to HMV. I was like, no. I was so disappointed. I was like, what the hell is this? Are you kidding me? But anyway, let's get back to uh, Nelly. So let's, so let's open up with the uh, folklore thing. Yeah. So folklore. Um, mm-hmm. I reckon I'm, I'm going to put it out there as a guess that this is perhaps one of your favorite albums of hers. Yep. Yeah. Is it is it the favorite? Because if it is, then you can just say it now. No, it, well, I, it's a okay. I, I'll, before we get started on this, I will say that artistically, the first album is the better album. But this album hit me at a certain point, so it's my personal favorite. But it's not her best album. I'll say that much. I still, I, I will still argue that. Well, Nelly, like even even with the other two, which I which I enjoy different re- different reasons too, but I was saying, Will Nelly is like her best work, but this one is like my, my personal favorite. I'll say it right there. Like, there's no question. If you're talking about creativity, the first album is is just it, it's like leagues ahead of it. But as far as like on a personal level, where it, where it got me at a certain time with the mood the album had for me at that time when I was in college, this one I liked. Okay. If you're talking about MIA and um quote unquote world music and stuff like that, then I think this this is the album that I think opened doors for someone like her. And I I've said it on Twitter recently, I don't think this album gets the credit it deserves. And this is not my favorite do you know what? I'm gonna be honest, this is my least favourite album of hers. Yeah. Um even though I love all four albums, but this is my least favourite. This is the least played one of her, of hers that I have. Okay. Yeah, this is my most played I played the hell out of this album when it came out. Yeah. Um even now if you gave me a choice of all four then uh, i mean just naturally i would not pick this one first i just wouldn't unless i was really in the mood but certain songs from it yeah but um but but doing this podcast has really brought home because i I, you know when you're doing a retrospective of an artist in this way it's fascinating just to see the historical context of what they did and this album is so far ahead of its time um yes that it's just too far ahead of its time by a factor, like, <laughs> well, it is. It's just like a fact, by a factor of a decade, probably, and and you kind of like this album does not get the credit it deserves in any way, shape, or form. I was furious when this album wasn't a hit. I was like, "What the fuck is people like?" My thing. Okay, before we get into this, like I understand, it, like for you as an Atlanta fan, I can understand why you would say it's your least favorite, even though you said it's still a good album. I just didn't understand when when the critics came out at the time and they were saying that it was it was a bad album or it wasn't creative. I was like I was like, are you listening to the same fucking album I'm listening to? Are you kidding me? I, I swear in my mind that what happened was they wanted Will Nelly Part Two and she didn't give you Will Nelly Part Two. Yep. So therefore, that's what people flipped out on. I think I think it's deeper than that as well. I think there's more kind of sinister motives as well. If I'm honest. Oh, oh, because oh, you know what? People were oh, because the the powerless song. Yeah. When she made that comment about the skin color. Yeah. And I seen so many people like ragging on. I was like, Are you fucking kidding me? It's like this is where, like I said, I'm gonna inject like a tiny bit of politics. I'm not a liberal or conservative or progressive. I'm like a mixture of all three. So I, I sometimes I get mad at certain liberal critics when person of color says something like that in her song and they go well she got money well why should dare she talk about shit like that i'm like shut the fuck up i get pissed <laughs> off when i when i see that shit I'm like just because she made fucking money doesn't mean the shit's still not going on are you kidding me i it was so many critics who were bitching about that one line in that song and i'm like are you fucking kidding me it's like it's, it's like every artist every artist of color goes through this to make a difference you're black or you're Asian, or whatever. They always go through this thing where if they make one tiny critique when they make money, then all of a sudden they shut up and be thankful you got that. Yep. It's like, shut, it's like, shut the fuck up. Like she said one line in a whole damn album. I was like, are you kidding me? She had, I guarantee you talk to any artist of color who goes in there, or at least the artists of color who are proud of their heritage, they will all tell you that at certain points the people will try to tell you to tone that stuff down. Like I remember a story where Beyonce was kind of like, she talked in her, talked in her, her regular accent, during the commercial and the people in the commercial were like well you can't talk like that you gotta talk like the other way like they do that you know what I'm trying to say like they they, they it's kind of like it's tokenism sometimes like okay as long as you're as long as you, we'll accept your diversity as long as you do it in the way we want you to do it but the moment you bring attention to that then you just shut up you're, you're annoying me like you should be thankful that I'm even listening to you it's almost like that sometimes like just be thankful I'm listening to you I don't want to hear you complain that's what it sounded like when that, when that song came out and they started bitching about it Yep. I mean, if we take the, the opening lines of that song, 
Um, paint my face in your magazines. Make it look whiter than it seems. Paint me over with your dreams. Shove away my ethnicity. That is one of the best opening <laughs> quartet of lines to any song in the history of mankind. I would, I would, <laughs> no, I'm going to say it, man. And and if you're talking, this is like 2003, and and how relevant is that today? Yeah. Yes. I mean, if you I, I, obviously I'm Indian. If you look at the nation of India, you still get these fucking skin whitening commercials all the live long day. Like when we went out there, I was like, why is the biggest, you know, the biggest actor out there is Shah Rukh Khan. And, he, and he's the face of these fucking skin whitening things. And you're like, sit the fuck down, man. Just I tweeted the guy. I was like, what are you doing? It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the kind of the way that corrupts young minds is they, it makes people yes. think they're not good enough because of their skin, uh, skin tone, you know. And there's enough of that in the world. And, and you know, her record company wanted her to hide her Portuguese heritage. Yeah. <laughs> Portugal's not that... Yeah. <laughs> Portugal is not that, like, controversial a country that you have to hide your Portuguese heritage. It's like, what the hell is going on? I just, It's just incredible, you know? Yeah. And, like, from that point, and from that point, that's when they didn't give any of the, the singles a shot or something like that. I'm like, okay, I see what's going on. It's like now she's really not now she's now she's not staying in that in that MTV structure. She wants to be more mature. She had more things to think about, and now you want to think about it. because this is like whereas Will Nelly is like effervescent, this one is like more mature. I mean, not to say that Will Nelly isn't musically sophisticated, it is, but that has more like a youthful exuberance. Whereas this one is kind of like more like not muted, but it's more like like world weary and more paced and more measured than the other one is in a sense. Yeah, and also she'd had a kid as well. And that makes a massive difference. When you've had a kid, everything changes. Just I, I can't emphasize that enough. Your worldview changes. Right? Everything changes. You know, I've mentioned this before. You know, I mentioned it in the MIA podcast that you become so protective of uh, of your family and um, your worldview just instantly adapts and you just see the bigger picture and you think, okay, this affects this, this affects this. This is just a giant circle. And... You know, she was still pretty young. I reckon she was, what, maybe 22, 23 when she had a kid. And that's really young, like in today's in today's age, definitely. And I reckon she had to grow up pretty quickly, you know. And and this album, I mean, if you're talking about the conceptual jump from Monelli to this. Monelli, you're right. I mean, Monelli's a relatively simplistic album on certain levels, even if it has kind of musical elements and structural elements and arrangement that are, that are far more complex than what her years would have suggested. Uh, this one, the, there's deep shit on here. I mean, absolutely. There really is. Um, in so many ways. I mean, let's get... I, what I think... I mean, Powerless, there's Powerless, but the other song that I think is just unbelievable on this is Try. And I have, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, like I was tweeting about that the <laughs> other day, and one of the guys that, that we follow each other... He was like, I think that's actually, I mean, this guy's like a proper hip hop head, but but he said um, that he thinks this is his favorite song this century. He thinks it's his favorite song, full stop. Oh, yeah. And it's quite funny because, um, so I think once basically me and my wife had a bet and I lost it. And so subsequently I had to read Fifty Shades of Grey. So, <laughs> and. Like a It was. It was really one of the pain, most painful experiences of my life trying to read it. It was just terrible. Absol- I cannot describe how bad a book that is. It's just awful. But um, one of the things comes on and Anastasia, I hate myself that I know her name. She's listening to her iPod and I think she's in, in some sort of argument with Christian Grey, whatever, 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 put guns in my head and shoot me. So she listens to her iPod and she starts listening to Nelly Furtado. Try. I was like, hang on a sec. And, uh, and then, and then it is, it's actually an amazing moment. It's the one good moment in the whole fucking thing. And I was like, and then I started looking, I was like, I, I clicked on the video for try and people were like, Oh, 50 shades brought me here. 50 shades. brought me here. <laughs> so, I was like, I don't care how she gets it. If, if, if it needs, um, whatever her face is to write this book, E.L. Lewis, whatever her name is, to write this book and get it's pe- E.L. Lewis. <laughs> is it E.L. Lewis? It's E.L. James. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, sorry, C. that's really. I was bad. like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? The guy who wrote the line in which? Yeah, I was like C.S. Lewis. <laughs> <C. L>. Lewis. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the hell? Go ahead. Yeah, I think I think this song was in the line, the Witch in the Wardrobe. Anyway, so it, as long as it got people to 
check this song out in earnest, then fine. The whole Fifty Shades thing is fine by me because this song deserves it. It's that great song. If you're talking about breakup songs, if you're talking about complete confusion in a relationship, this song is just one of the best songs this century, without a doubt. I don't understand why the song wasn't a hit. I'm furious. I'm like, why the hell is this song not a hit? I don't understand. I could not understand it for the life of me. I was like, how can you not? How can this song not be a hit? I don't understand. I mean, I didn't like the video. I I didn't like the video. I think this was a no-brainer video. You could have just, you know... I think it was overthought, to be honest. Um, I think sometimes, like, her videos can be too simple or too overthought, and I think this was the kind of overthought one. Um, but I don't understand why it wasn't a hit on the radio. I just don't know. I mean, is it sometimes as simple as that it, it had, like, it didn't have much of an intro to it? And so they couldn't just cue it up? <laughs> or is it because she did Powerless and then the powers that be uh, were like, okay, you've been saying shit about uh, us. Uh, you, you go fuck yourself, basically. We're your record label. Go fuck yourself. You know, you, you're, cri- you're openly criticizing us in your, in your first single on this album, saying that we're effectively <laughs> racist. <laughs> and then there you go, screw yourself. I don't know. Who knows? I'd love to know what she thinks. All right, so let's get into the... Uh... The uh, three favorite songs in this album. Start with you. Can start with you. Powerless, try, and I don't think it's the best song on the album, but I always loved "The Grass Is Green." Um, okay, I absolutely loved that song. I don't think it's it's the best song, but it's just I just instantly kind of. <laughs> Yeah, and the funny, the hilarious thing is, if anyone's listened to our Fiona Apple podcast, uh, where I talked about a man called Mike Elizondo. He's actually <laughs> he produced the grass is green, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, so you do like Mike Elizondo? I love the guy. He's my favorite producer of all time now. So, <laughs> um, yeah. How about yourself? All right. So my three are easy. It's one trick pony. It's try and it's picture perfect. I can listen to the end of picture perfect like fifty thousand times, no matter what. <laughs> yeah. I used to play that like on repeat, on repeat, 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 repeat. It was like I was just, just got finished dealing with this one girl. And then that one just like that that one and try pretty much knocked me like off my my rocker. I can remember like like on a, on a, on, a, on like a summer night keeping like the window open with the breeze and just laying down on my bed and just like just like putting those on repeat basically, just letting it go, right there. But I just loved the whole like the the maturity of the album. Like it was so mature, it was ridiculous. Like the whole textures and the sounds of it. And like I say, those one trick pony try and. And uh, and Picture Perfect is like the prime examples of that, like just like that, that that maturity. Like it, like you said, it seemed like to me, it felt like to me, like she went through something in a relationship or whatever, and then like she just put it right on there. Like she was like kind of like, okay, this is the album where I just kind of need to just like put on my grown girl shoes and let's let's get serious about this shit. Like I'm I'm a serious artist, even though the first album is a serious artist album. Even but the but the feeling of it is effervescent. It's like this one is kind of like more worldly. And like just that whole thing with that pretty perfect with the guitar and everything, it just kills me. I mean, for me, there's three kind of overarching conceptual issues with this album. Not issues, but but points to this album. I think number one is that she had a baby. Number two is that well, I think I think by the time this album came out, she'd already split up with the guy she had the baby with, um, from memory anyway. But I mean, you know, you can say it's irrelevant, but but songs like "Try It" and "The Grass Is Green." don't scream irrelevant to me and number three is that when you have a kid then because your parents lineage is continuing through your own seed you start looking back into what happened with your parents and obviously for her they came over from portugal and they set up shop in toronto so that that is you know you picked you picked probably the perfect song for that which is picture perfect which i think in that song she's kind of looking through old photos of her family and and sort of you know, wondering like, wow, how was it back in the day when they came over here and stuff like that? And uh, there, there's so many kind of different. There's there's one trick pony where she opens up with the strings that sound like I'm like a bird, and then she switches it. It's like, look, I'm not a one trick pony. This isn't just going to be like I'm like a bird or, or whatever. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. Powerless again. She's talking about a skin tone, ethnicity, and and even you know, on the first two tracks, you've got the kind of Portuguese instrumentation. Um, try is an amazing but fresh off the boat I mean come on how obvious is that <laughs> well, I heard somebody complaining I, I heard of one critic complaining about the, the rock in my bare feet like I can like that's a terrible line. I'm like sometimes I want to smack the shit out of these I'm like 
out of all the shit you could bitch about, like, yeah, that's a terrible ass line. I'm like, that's like, sometimes, sometimes there's certain times with critics, certain critics, I'm like, I want to be, like, if you, when I see stuff you complain about, I want to revoke your fucking critics past. I'm like, what? 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 I mean, I, I know everybody's opinion is valid. I, I give them that. Like, I'm not saying, like, everybody got to agree with the way I agree, but sometimes I just see some criticisms, and I'm just like, that just literally makes no sense to me whatsoever. Whatsoever to, like, nitpick at that. Oh, I don't think everyone's uh, opinion is valid at all. I think everyone's, <laughs> everyone with an informed opinion, yeah, okay, that's you know, valid. I, yeah, but if, right, if you're, you're right, just you're kind right, of just right, lobbying, right. oh, blah, 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 and you've, you've done no research or thought, and it's literally just a throwaway <laughs> thought, then no, your opinion's not valid. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I'm that's sorry. What I you qualified it. Cor- no, you, I agree with you. You qualified it correctly. Yeah. You're right. But, um, but like I said, it was like when I heard that stuff, I, I've seen so many nitpicks on this album. I'm like, they made it seem like it was like it was like a huge drop off from the first. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And they made it seem like, well, she fell off humongously. I'm like, this is not this is not Illmatic to to to. Uh, it was written. To, uh, what- <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna make like, I was what? gonna make that comparison, you know. I was actually gonna yeah. say like it kind of reminds me, yeah, like that kind of criticism from Illmatic to yeah. it was written. Yeah, that's what it feels like, like. It's not so. even close. I'm like every song, every song on this album, whether whether you fully enjoyed or not, you could you could tell that she put her time and energy into all these songs. Even though I can see this album, like some people like it more songs than others, but I don't see any filler on this album. I don't see one song on this album that's filler. Like Childhood Dreams is a wonderful way to end the album. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like I thought it was, and that Island of Wonder. Even though he did that little whimper at the end, I was like, even that was kind of like that worked for me. Even though I was like, I was like, okay, the whimper, okay, goodbye. And Forza, come, is it Forca or Forza? Forza. How do you, yeah. do you Forza? I like that song, even though like people are like it's a soccer song. I'm like, who gives a fuck? Soccer is the world sport. Like, I don't understand why people punish musicians. For like I, I know it's like back in the day that, that that purity bullshit with musicians. I'm like I'm like, but the song still stands on its own as a piece of music. And why and and the soccer people like they like started getting on her about that. Well, she wants to do soccer. Like she works for a fucking major label. She's already <laughs> selling her music. I, I want to get in my soapbox about that sometimes. I fucking hate this purity shit with artists sometimes. Like they're already involved with a major label, so they are selling their stuff. The problem is is if you're half assing it. That's where the problem comes in. There's nothing wrong with you selling your music. There's nothing wrong with that. We're all it's capitalism. There's nothing wrong with capitalism as long as your product is strong. That's the point. It's when your product becomes lazy, and I and I hate calling and I hate calling music product. But that's if you're gonna if we're gonna be mercenary about this and you're talking about label, like they're putting out a product. And a, and the thing about albums is okay, you put out a product, you got to put out these songs, to put it out there. But the artistry comes out when the artist who pushes out that quote unquote product actually gives a shit and put their heart and soul into it. Then it becomes more than product. It's the, it's this is what happened back in the '90s where you had like the three hits and all the rest of filler. That's fucking product right there. We had the three hits and filler, but Melly Potato, even even though we have, I, I have a, I, I enjoyed all four albums. I like some more than others. I've never seen her half ass it. I just never seen that. And that's just that she's not one. Of, she's not one of those artists that just goes by. Okay, I'm just gonna throw filler and then put it out there. Yeah, that's just never been her with me. Whether I enjoy her album fully or not, I respect. I respect her. She's one of those few artists that whenever a new album comes out, I'll buy. I'll buy it with no problem at all. Like, there's no question I won't pick up an album that she puts out. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, even if you listen, like at this point, there's been three songs to come from her new album, The Ride. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you've listened to those three songs. She's not half-assing it one bit. You could already tell yeah. this is going to be a strong album, no matter what. You know, you might prefer other ones of hers to it or whatever, whatever. But she she puts it all into things, you know. She takes her time. She does things properly. Um, something like, okay, let's get back to Forza. So basically, she released this in 2003. And it was in the build-up to uh, the Euro 2004 football tournament, which is like kind of June 2004, which was based in Portugal. Now, she's literally at this point the only Portuguese person on the planet, yeah, yeah. who is a singer, who's a singer in the Western world, who of, of any note that, uh, you know, making chart-worthy music in English around the world. Yeah, and also paying respect to her heritage on this bloody album. She's paying respect to Portugal <laughs> all the way through it, yeah. And and it's like, and okay, Forza, you can think, okay, it's a bit of a cloying song. You can think, oh, it's a bit opportunistic, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I mean, at, at the concert, she started kicking around foam footballs, and it's like, okay, fine, whoa, Nelly, chill, you know. But, but, <laughs> but the song itself 
it, she, she's really invested in it, and that was a big song. Her, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I even went to Portugal that year, and and like it was everywhere, and she was huge, and and, and like you know, it, it was a big deal. That was a big Portuguese. Portugal's a small country; it's tiny. You know, I mean, I'm pretty sure where you live, there's probably more people. If you just went round in a five mile radius, there's more people where you live than the whole of Portugal. Yeah, and the same thing for me, and. um I mean, sometimes you kind of forget, okay, listen, different things mean different, you know, I don't know how to express this, but you can't put equal weighting for everything, um, especially artistically, you know, it's going to mean more to certain people than it will to others, put it that way. So, I don't know. It's it's the arrogance of it all, I'm like, come on, people. And now, the other thing before I forget is, I think the first half of the album is, I think it's a bit top heavy, um, out of the 12 songs. I certainly thought that at the time. I, I still kind of think that. I think the the second half is really deep. It's kind of like Janelle, the Janelle Monet one, where you've got sweet, you know, sweet two and sweet three. So I, I think it, it feels a lot like that. That the first half is where most of the energy is, the singles, all that kind of stuff. Um, then the grass is green. Then we start with the grass is green. Yeah, it goes more reflective. Very much so. Very much so. Even if you if you kind of look at the the beats per minute, then it drastically slows down. Um, and even if there's a couple of slightly faster paced ones, they're they're kind of the way that they're recorded is much more in the background. So I'm looking at the I'm looking at the list right now. There's not really I mean, except for maybe Island of Wonder, everything else is kinda of like slowed down. Like you got the grass is green, picture perfect, Saturdays, build you up, Island of Wonder and Child of Dreams. And I think maybe Island of Wonder is the, the, the most fast paced out of all of them, I would say. Is it Saturday? Saturdays is is that the kind of skit one, basically? Yeah, that, that's that's the that's the the acoustic. One. Yeah, that's the acoustic skit one. So, like I'm saying, that's kind of like you know, that's if if you'd left your iPhone and recorded them in in a bar, kind of jamming, basically. So that doesn't really count. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I think Island of Wonder is probably the only one that's that's even so. So when you've got that, you've got that kind of drop off from um, from Forza, and then the second half is a lot kind of it it almost would have worked better on vinyl or or like back in the day when we used to listen to cassettes you know as opposed to as opposed to a cd so yeah got you so you assume she treated like a like 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 a like a like an album in a sense like the first half is the energy and then the second half is the more reflective or is that or is that the point it it probably is the point but when you're trying to digest an album sometimes you might need like Woe Nelly's a lot better paced throughout as a debut, certainly. It grips you from the first to pretty much the last because, you know, it ebbs and flows in a nice way. Whereas I think the peaks and troughs of folklore, it peaks pretty early. I mean, the only the only thing on the first half of the album is try. Um, but the second half, it, it, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess I personally would have, would have staged it a bit differently. Um, but obviously, you know, conceptually, I, I don't know if that if it works as well. But from just a pure kind of gripping the listener, then I would have staged it a bit differently. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I think it peaks too soon, put it that way, in terms of an energy level. But then, you know, if if you're a fan of hers and you've already kind of digested that first half and then you want to get more of her, then the second half works well, don't get me wrong. But I can see if you're a casual listener or, or, or a critic with deadlines and you listen to this once or twice, then you probably zone out a little bit in the second half. Okay. I mean, that, that's, that's the thing I feel bad about critics sometimes because you guys have to digest so much music that you don't have the luxury of just like sitting with an album for a long period. Yeah. Of time. You know what I'm trying to yeah. say? That's, I think that's, that, that's why time is always the... the, the I mean, c- contemporary criticism is very important, don't get me wrong, but I think time is the ultimate. Like, when you have that distance, you can sit there and just live with an album. Albums are meant to be... I think albums are meant to be lived in but because critics have to, you have to use whatever 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 critical tools you're sharpened with at that time. You have that you you have to be mercenary in a sense when you when you review these albums in a sense. Even though you give that caveat, most great critics will give a most good or great critics will get a caveat that you do have. The point is you have to live in them more. But this is my impressions of what the time allotted me to give me for this. Yeah, definitely. I'm pretty because I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure there's albums you reviewed that you didn't like at first or you liked. And then you had a, a different opinion, like later on down the road. Yeah, massive. And you also got to factor in, and you also got to factor in, like where your mind was at, at the time. That also factors in, like whatever you're going through, or this and that, and you, or maybe that's kind of thing. 
Yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, a critic shouldn't have to review more than one, maybe two things a week. <laughs> because, you know, it, 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 it certainly, okay, if it's a very simplistic album, though, fine. But most albums, you have to listen to, like, at least really kind of, well, I mean, for me, at least 10 times that you have to, to really, truly be able to write, like, 2,000 words on it or whatever, or, or even, like, a properly, you know, concise 800 words you need to listen to it properly in in order to give let's come back to it an informed opinion because otherwise you just oh blah 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 this is what i thought about this song the first time i heard it like i know like there's this web i won't like just you know go off on one but there's a website out there that does one listen reviews sorry first listen reviews to uh to hip-hop albums and it's literally the writer's train of thought as they're listening to all the songs and it's kind of like Okay, I get it. It's 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 mildly entertaining because um, you're sort of reading it and nodding along, but there's no intrinsic value to it at all. There's no. It's not serious criticism. No. It's not serious criticism. No, it's just describing things. It's just like it's like an exercise in description, effectively. And it's kind of like, well, what's it's the like point? a listening party? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's the point of it. And, and I mean, there is a point to it, but the problem is, is that if people are reading it and basing their opinion off that without giving you know due time to the to the work of art in question and this song this album rather folklore needed time i think it needed time i agree two billion percent because i was listening because i remember when 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 she was doing the loose when she was doing the loose tour and they were talking about albums and she said something very specific she was like a lot of my darhar fans consider folklore her favorite album like they say they enjoy loose but she said they consider like most of the people that come up to her say that that folklore's album, and I feel like, and the reason why I feel like she said that, even though I'm pretty sure not all of her diehard fans think that's her favorite album, but I think the people that come to her to say that is because that I think out of the three albums up to that point, I think that was the most personal one up to that point. I think that was the one where if you're if, if you're if you're sitting down listening, you feel like you you've got a good idea of um of who she is, even though you, I mean you could never know an artist really fully, be honest with you, wouldn't be honest, but I think that felt like it was more intimate than um Nelly. To those people who come up to her and say that, yeah, I mean, if I think if you're a, uh, yeah, everything you said is true. To be honest, um, for you, for example, this is your favorite Nelly Furtado album. For me, it's not. For me, it's my least favorite one. But I still, I still, I just rank all of them incredibly highly. Uh, sorry, to, for, there's just a point of, of interest that I have to make. When we keep saying that she's made four albums, like we do ultimately re- recognize that she's made a fifth album, which is Mi Plan, which is her her Spanish language album. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah. So, I mean, so basically how it is, is 2000 was Wonelli, 2003 was Folklore, 2006 was Loose, 2009 was Mi Plan, uh, 2012 was Spirit Indestructible. So every three years you get an album from her. And this is the first time we've had like an extended break from her. So where it's been like more like four and a half to five years kind of thing. Um, for me, I, I'm going to lay my cards on the table. Obviously I'm a huge Nelly Furtado fan, blah, 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 blah. I, I never liked me plan. Um, if I, if I thought it was that good, I would have pushed for us to talk about it within the podcast, but it, it's, it's, by far for me like my least favorite album of hers i even listened to it again for a few times in preparation for this thinking okay has it has my opinion changed kind of thing because my opinions changed on spirit indestructible which we'll get to next time um but but me plan i was like no i just i just never took to it why why was it why was it not your favorite well i mean why why did you not enjoy it as much um (sighs) okay it seems like i'm being really harsh here but i'm just going to be honest two things i think she was it's almost like she was painting a picture of what she thinks Latin pop music was like, like almost kind of inhabiting that as opposed to pushing it in a new interesting direction, which she ironically did on every of her fucking albums. <laughs> yeah. She did it on Monelli, she did it on Folklore and she did it on Loose. And it's like, why didn't you just do that again? Yeah, but just an album of it. But instead it basically sounds like, I, I, it basically sounds like... Safe safe latin music. well it's it's very safe pop contemporary latin music as opposed to her just like pushing the genre forward which is what she's done on every other album which i just don't understand it you know let me let me ask let me let me give you my theory i felt like on loose when she did loose and loose was totally different from the last two albums because she went to timberland around i almost felt like she felt like she was trying to overcompensate because she felt like she 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 abandoned her 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 adventurous roots, but at the same time she was still trying to keep the loose fans that she gained 
it's kind of like she was trying to do a concession where like I still got my I still got my 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 uh my culture, but at the same time she's still trying to play it safe with the loose crowd she had. But she didn't. She, but she. But by trying to serve two's master, she didn't. She didn't please anybody on that. Yeah, there, there might be some truth to that. On a very basic way, I don't think the production or the lyrics or the choruses. <laughs> they're not good enough and and like they might be good enough for just your average artist but for Nelly Furtado they're not good enough you know if if all four of her main albums I'm like yeah I just love all four of them the drop off was huge for me for me plan and and also around that time you remember like I was I was pretty much like not not completely fluent but but good enough in Spanish and Portuguese where I could understand everything pretty much just uh, you know having the lyrics alongside me um without translation and and like it just I just never took to it at the time and I listened to it again like a couple of weeks ago like good three four times I even listened to the remix album of it thinking yeah maybe this has changed it and I was like no I was like no it just didn't work if it doesn't work it doesn't work and and I think you really have to commit to something but you also have to if you're an album like Nelly if you're an artist like Nelly then you know she does push the needle forward yeah and and on something like me plan she didn't she didn't even bother at no point does she bother. She's not on the production, not on the concepts. I mean, the chorus is pretty bland. It's just a bland album. And I'd love to know like, if it actually connected because from what I heard, it didn't really connect. It didn't really hit the mark. And maybe you're right. Maybe she was just trying to sort of please too many people and ended up pleasing no one. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't like being on a downer on her because, you know, I'm such a huge fan, but that, that album in particular is, is disappointing for me. It's very, especially considering what it could have been. Like I've, I've talked about Shakira's album. Well, Shakira's got more than one great album to be honest, but uh, I, I really, when it was coming out, I was expecting something like that. I was like, wow. And especially considering the kind of like Latin flavored songs that she'd done previously on her three albums, even on something on, like on loose. Yeah. No, igual. Like, I love that song. I, I didn't even like it at the time, but it just grew and grew and grew on me. You should just done things like that but there's just there's basically nothing on me plan have you listened to it before uh me plan i gave it like a cursory listen and i was like i'm good yeah i don't know why i just i just went through it and i was like this doesn't feel right and i just kept moving. yeah okay basically basically you've summed up in one sentence what i've been droning on about for minutes but <laughs> that's basically <laughs> all you need to know so <laughs> got you yeah all right so uh so final thoughts on these two albums okay so um, Woe Nelly for me is one of the best debuts this century, definitely, without a doubt. And it, it boggles the mind just how good she she was at that age, you know. Um, I, I think Track and Field deserve a massive shout out because the production is just stellar throughout the whole album. And um, it, it just gripped me from the very first listen and I still listen to it. Like it's one of those ones that if I still had like one, you know, you know, there's like six disc multi changes that people had in cars and were really proud of. If I still had one of those, I'd probably keep Woe Nelly in there. I would have thought. <laughs> um, whereas folklore for me at the time, I didn't love it. I liked it. I never loved it. Um, it, it grew on me as the years passed. And, and now I recognize it as something that was just so far ahead of its time and has influenced countless other artists really. And, and it has some, spectacular moments on it as well she does so many different things on folklore that i think are just incredible and again she was still only young at that age she was probably about 23 but you know most artists don't blow until they're at least kind of like 25 26 so i don't know i mean obviously i'm like a a gigantic fan of hers but like these two albums is a one two as a one two punch amazing and they cover so many bases it's just wonderful how about yourself well, I, like I would, I was, uh, I'm gonna say at the end of the day, like as far as creatively, I still think that the first one is still her best album. Like if I'm being mercenary about my critique, but I feel like the second one is my personal favorite because it hits me on so many levels. But I think if this one was a hit, then we wouldn't have gotten loose. I think that that's. I think something happened. I'll get into loose when we get down to that one. But I feel like if this if this album was a hit. We'd have probably got a different album from her for the third spot, but uh, but going back to this one, I just think this one is just like more mature, more sophisticated from like a from like a mood and tone, and that's why it's my favorite. So, I but I would but I would say like this is her this is her for me personally. I think this is her ultimate one-two punch, 
and then her her second half is like something I could discuss later on right there. But I would I would recommend anybody if you if you if you never heard Nelly Furtado before, I would recommend you pick up the two albums and just go for a drive somewhere, for a long ride and just let it play by yourself. To be honest with you, just not have anybody in the car, just have a nice little like cool breeze outside and just just drive somewhere. Maybe a countryside or something like that, and then uh, you might have a, a nice opinion of what she does. Yeah, and I think Bonelli, you could give it to any kind of like young girl nowadays, and I think they'd still connect to it. I think it's got a timeless quality to it. I reckon. Um, I mean, we're already looking at like sixteen, almost seventeen years on, and I, I just, I just think anyone could listen to it, pick it up, and love it. Um, especially if you're kind of like around that age you know like maybe 20 18 20 something like that i reckon you just love it you'd be like wow this is incredible why don't people do more of this you know nowadays yeah okay well uh next time on the second half of this nelly Furtado extravaganza we will be covering of course loose and uh the spirit indestructible so we will see you on the flip side was that a good outro rashad (laughs) See you on one the day, one day, one one day we'll get yeah, it. Yeah, it's too <laughs> dreadful, isn't it? No, we've got to think of it. <laughs> yeah. All right, peace. Yeah. All right, peace out.